0: Evening, church. Um, I realise I'm not as tired as I normally am. That'll become clear soon. But I wonder if you've ever had a life-changing, life-defining moment. It might be when you got your licence, which I know some of you are uh, into that space. Uh, I remember when I was dating Merrin, we were dating in high school. Uh, we were high school sweethearts, sweethearts not sweetheart. Um And we used to do things like like we would catch the bus to the local shops to meet up together there. Or I'd walk or ride my bike to her house. I used to ride to school every day. But then I got my license. And I think it was years before I touched my bike, before I caught a bus ever again. It changed everything. Might be that someone close to you died. Suddenly your life is changed from one with them in it to now having to figure out how to live without them. Might be that you got married. And that's great, but it changes everything. You move out of home, you start paying bills, you're responsible for your own cooking and cleaning, you don't have the same, stu- same time to yourself that you used to do, so you have to negotiate stuff. Everything's now different from when you were single. It might be that you received a serious injury or a health diagnosis. Suddenly you're limited in what you can do in a way that you've never been before. Might be that you move to live somewhere, you know, in a different country. Suddenly, you're now having to drive on the other side of the road. You have to learn new geography, new healthcare, and, and social systems. Maybe even to learn a new language. Everything familiar has been left behind, and, and everything has changed. But well, this is the idea of where we are uh, as we continue in our study through the Book of Colossians, wherein chapter 3 tonight, so you probably want to get that open on your uh, in your Bible, on your phone, uh, so that you're ready to go, Colossians chapter 3. Paul's argument in this section is that when we came to Christ and we trusted in Him as our Saviour and Lord, that we had a life-changing, life-defining experience that then means that everything has to change for us as a result, and that order is important. I mean, you don't prepare for living in the U.S. by starting to drive on the wrong side of the road here. You move there first and then you start to drive on the other side of the road. Then the behavior changes. And it's likewise for us as Christians. It's not that we get our behavior into line and then we trust in Jesus. Because in such a case, we're actually not really putting our faith in him, but in our own morality and in our own good living. It's that we put our faith in him first. And then because of that, we then have our behavior change as a result. We have this transformative experience of putting our life and our trust and our faith into his hands. And that then works itself out into all of our lives. So in Colossians 3, as we open this and start it, Paul starts by affirming this life-changing experience we've had. He says... All else flows from this. It's like saying, since then, you've got your dream job. Turn up to it on time every day and work hard at it. Since then, you've been diagnosed as lactose intolerant. Use almond and coconut milk. Since then, your VCE exams start in like a week or something ridiculous. Crack open the books and study diligently. Since then you have been raised with Christ. This is the reality for for the Christian. We have been raised with Christ and we've just sung about that. And so notice a few things with me here about this. Paul says, first, we've been raised. We've been given a new life in and by Jesus. In a great exchange, when Christ died for our sin, he then gave us his life. We who were dead in our rebellion and our failure have been made alive in him. We've been Raised to life. We see this in a different way too in verse 3. He says, for you died. We've died to this world. We've died to this life. In our passage from last week, in the bit that Kendall talks through, it says, you died with Christ, to the elemental spiritual forces of this world. We've died to sin and self and now we've been raised with Christ. So we've been raised. Secondly, he says that we've been raised with Christ our life is now hidden with Christ in God there's this real sense in which our our life our our true real eternal transformed new life is with Jesus still waiting to be fully revealed uh, to be fully made manifest when Jesus then returns and at that time we appear with him in glory so there's a sense in which it's, it's it's still waiting for that day. But at the same time, it is also a reality right here and now. We have been raised with Christ. And so there's no need, which has been an ongoing issue for Paul in, in addressing this with the Colossians. There's no need for us to seek after any special revelation, any secret knowledge, any you know mystical experience. We don't need any of this Um you know, and to pursue that by any particular ritual or rule because we have already been raised with Christ. There is not yet some more experience for us to have. We already have that reality, which then leads us to the third thing. It's God who has done this. We can't achieve this. Nothing we do, no matter how spiritual seeming, can achieve this for us. We can't make ourselves alive from being dead and we definitely can't get ourselves a spot with Christ in heaven, this has to be by God's action that we then get to respond to. And so because God has acted in this way and because we have been raised with Christ, Paul tells us to set both our hearts and our minds on the things above, where Christ is, and to not have them set on earthly things. We're to direct our affections and our attentions to Jesus and not to sinful worldly things. And this makes sense on two counts. That It makes sense because Jesus, he's seated at the right hand of God. He's in a position of undisputed and supreme authority of all things in general, but of the Christian specifically as we put our faith in him and trust in him as our saviour and submit our lives to him as our Lord. He's the supreme being in our lives, the the ruling authority, our glorious hope. So it makes sense then, given this role that he plays in our life, that we would seek after him with all of our hearts and with all of our minds. But not only for this reason, but as we've already seen, we would do so because we've died to this world. If our life is now with Christ and not with the things of this world, then it only makes sense that we would orient our lives towards him. Even more so, if we have died to the earthly things, then they don't have a hold on us anymore. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. We've defected, if you like. We've changed allegiance. We've immigrated to another country. And while our hearts might naturally turn back to where we've come from, to everything that's familiar and known to us. The reality is we've now been raised with Christ. And so the call on us is to set our hearts and our minds on the things of this new kingdom that we're now a part of, to leave the old behind and to fix our eyes on where we are now. And so as Paul goes on, he elaborates on what this will look like. Verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Based on the fact that we have died to sin, we need to put sin to death in our lives. We need to enflesh this life changing reality that has taken place. Because we have died to sin and have been raised with Christ, we need to put to death those things that belong to our sinful, worldly nature. These are my work clothes, not as in work at the church clothes, these are my work in the yard, round the house clothes. They're dirty, stained, ripped, Sahara tells me smelly. Uh, when I sat next to her with them, they're, they're torn, they're broken. These are not appropriate for fine company. I wouldn't wear this out on a date with my wife. And that's what Paul is saying here. We've now died to sin and and he lists these uh, lists of attitudes and actions in, in the sexual arena. And we know this is an area that the world is up in our business about because it's everywhere. But Paul says we need to put that to death. It needs to no longer be a part of us. Elsewhere, he tells us that we're to flee from it. He doesn't say, look, it's okay to dabble with it a little bit. He doesn't say, you can push the boundaries, but just make sure that you don't cross the line. He says, put it to death. Recognize the sinful desires in your life and in submission to Christ, who is now your life, put them to death. Don't entertain them, don't flirt with them, but put them to death, out of your life. Likewise, he says for us to rid ourselves or to put away a list of other actions that are inconsistent with our life in Christ. And here he's talking in the social arena. As we relate to others, anger, slander, lying, amongst other things, these are not to be part of our interactions with each other. Why not? Because they destroy relationships. You're distracted by the fact I'm getting undressed, aren't you? Sorry. Do you know what? I am a layer short of the whole thing, so we'll see how we go. Um, I'll say my stuff again because I don't think you were listening. You were too preoccupied about where this could end up going. Paul says that as we relate to others... Anger, slander, lying, you know, and a bunch of other stuff. They're not to be part of our interactions with each other, with other people, because they destroy relationships. Christ has come to call us into a relationship, to reconcile us to the Father, and to then create us into this one new family together. This is the life that we've been raised into. So we need to put away speech that would undermine. Uh, this relationship or, or cause divisions within it. We had to behave differently in our interactions with others. And then Paul says that we have taken off your old self with its practices, and this is where I've run out of layers. So just imagine, actually, no, maybe don't imagine anything. Imagine I had a different layer that could take off and everything was still all good. But this is, this is past tense here. He says, you have taken off your old self with its practices. We have put off our old lives. We died to our old life and have now been raised to new life with Christ. We have put off our old self. And so we need to make that a reality by putting to death and putting away and putting off our old practices. Instead, we are now put on the new self. Now, at this point, I'm going to pause. Danielle's going to play some funky background music, I'm going to hope that no one's counting the offering and I will be back in just a moment. So just talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Very good. We are told that we are to now put on the new self. This is our new self that's that's hidden with Christ in God that's being renewed into the image of its creator. Now the things that we formerly did and are no longer appropriate. You know, if I'm dressed like this, this is not appropriate for me to be in the yard digging up weeds, snipping the the grass, mowing it and, you know, painting stuff. If I did, I would be in serious trouble for my wife. But it's no longer appropriate. It's not fitting. But But the new self that we've put on is fitted for something different, for our life that's now hidden with Christ, this life that's being renewed into the image of our Creator. Our Creator, who we saw from chapter 1, is Jesus. Because in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. In Christ, Paul says, there's no divisions, be they racial, moral, economical or social. We've been made into one new people, God's people. And so we need to reflect that in our lives together by putting away such language, such actions that would cause division, that would harm and impact each other, and instead to come together in unity, in reconciliation, in relationship. And so Paul continues, verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another, if any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is Paul then illustrating some of the specifics of what we are to now put on as we take on and express the new life that we have in Christ. And again, it flows from who we are. We are God's chosen, loved, set apart people. And because this is who we are, we are to clothes our, ourselves or, or put on a new character, a new nature that reflects that of Jesus. Our orientation turns from ourselves and our desires to now the consideration of others. So then we are to be characterized by the nature of Christ. All these words, you know, compassion, kind, humble, gentle and patient, they belong to him and our attitudes with the actions that flow from them that that we are to put on. Further, we are to forgive others because we have been forgiven by Jesus, as we remember through communion. Jesus who bore the ultimate cost for our forgiveness. Think about the people in your life. They might be someone at school, at your workplace, in your family, someone who lives on your street. Where and with whom... Do you need to clothe yourselves with this kind of character? Who have you deliberately left out of your circle that you need to open it up and invite them in? Who do you regularly get annoyed at and don't bother to hide it, but instead you need to speak kindness to them? Who do you look down on? Who, who do you make fun of? Paul says to us to clothe ourselves with, with the character of Christ. And over all of this, to put on love. Love is the, the overarching characteristic, as the one that, that kind of binds it all together, that completes the outfit. God is love. And it's and one John says that this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When we love. We act like Christ and we embody now our new life in him. So how do we do this? How do we go about putting to death, putting away, putting off, putting on and and then clothing ourselves so that we live according to our new life? I think Paul gives us the answer as he closes this section of the letter. Verse 15, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. to help us to live this new life. And it starts with letting the the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Christ has given us his peace, peace with God, a peace then that flows to our relationships with each other. And as we let this peace rule, it's in contrast to the insecurity and uncertainty of trying to please God, of trying to know the right secret knowledge, of trying our best to fit in with others. Instead of having to try all of that, instead of being ruled by the fear that lies underneath all of that, we have peace. And as we let that peace rule and drive our lives, well, then we live a life consistent with it. It's about us being grounded in the gospel of peace that we have in Christ, safe and secure in it so that then we're we're free to live according to the new life he has given to us. We don't have to worry about others. We don't have to worry even about God in that sense because he has saved us. We're secure with him. And so then we're free to live how he would call us to. Another means then of living out this life is to let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. The more we know the gospel, the more we know Jesus, the closer we come to him, the more we will be like him. And you know this in your own experience. You become like the people you hang out with. I remember a girl, and this is from a few years back, who was dating this guy who was, he was a bit alternate, he was a bit free-spirited and, and relaxed and all that kind of stuff. And so she started wearing more, you know, kind of flowy, hippie clothes and, and she listened to the same kind of music as him. But then that relationship ended And then she dated this conservative, well-to-do rich guy from the nicer suburbs of Sydney. And so she became more upper class in her dress and in her conversation, in her priorities and in her interests. She became like the person that she was spending most of her time with. And so the call on us is to let the word of Christ be with us richly, abundantly, for for us to soak in it as we teach and encourage one another And as as we hear the word of Christ through his word more, we know him more and more, and so we become more and more like him. And Paul says here that one of the ways that we do this, one of the ways we we keep the word before us is through teaching and encouraging one another through psalms, hymns, and songs. This is then why music has such a big emphasis in, in so many church services. It's not about wanting to be like Hillsong, but it's about singing the message of Christ with and to each other, that his word would be all around us, that we'd hear it coming at us from every direction and that... Something like that. Um, (laughs) But that as we do so, that his word being all around us would make us like him. So the last means comes in the, the final verse where Paul says, whatever you do. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember, we are not our own. We were bought at a price. We have a new master who is our Lord Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of God. As we live with this orientation to only do what pleases and is consistent with the the lordship of Jesus, then we will live in the way that Paul has spoken of through this passage. And notice too that he says that it's whatever you do. It's all-inclusive. That there's not a section of our lives that's free from, our responsi- from this responsibility. If we live in the name of Jesus, representing Him in all areas of our lives, submitting to Him in all areas of our lives, then this is the kind of life that will flow from that. So since then, you have been raised with Christ. If we're here and have put our faith in Jesus, then we have experienced a life-changing, life-defining moment. Everything has changed for us. So therefore, everything needs to change. Everything has changed for us, so everything then needs to change. And it changes not because we're trying to force or achieve anything, but because it's the natural result of everything being different for us. And so Paul says we are to put to death we are to put away, we are to put off all that belongs to our earthly nature. And instead, we are to put on and to clothe ourselves with Christ, enabled by his peace, by his word, by his rule. And as we do so, we then live the new life that he has given to us. Let's pray together, church. God, we thank you for this glorious truth, that we have been raised with Christ. We have died to our old way of living. We have died to our old self, caught up and bound in sin and just oriented towards everything in this world. Instead, you've given us a new life, a life that's set aside in heaven but is already a reality now for us. So, God, I pray, help us. Help us to set our hearts and our minds on Christ. Help him to be the greatest object of our affections and our attentions. May the peace of Christ rule in our lives. May the word of Christ dwell among us richly. May whatever we do be done in the name of Christ. And as all this happens, God, may we be clothed in his nature. God, I'm aware, we, we are all, though you have made us saints and hidden our lives with Jesus in heaven, we are yet still here and sinners. And there is sin and an orientation of our heart that needs to be put to death, that needs to be put away, that needs to be taken off. And I pray, God, by your spirit, help us in that. Help us to repent from it. Help us to not try and hold on to it uh, as if it still had value and meaning to us, but help us instead with our hearts and minds filled with Christ to, to see it for what it is and to let go of it and to turn from it. Help us, God, to do that radical transformative work then too of putting on our new nature, of making what you have already done a reality, outworked in our lives as we take on the character of Christ. Enable us, God, in that. And as we do so, as we become more and more like Jesus, God, I just pray for your work in us and through us to just shine out to the world around us, that other people would see you, know you, and come into a saving relationship with you. We pray, God, do your work amongst us. We've been raised with you. Help us to live that out now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.